Oh, that song ministered to my soul, didn't it, yours? That's wonderful. The author, Dennis Chernigan, is someone that I mentioned when we did our podcast on talking to your children about LGBT issues because he had been heavily involved in the homosexual lifestyle and God's grace came and rescued him. And now he is not just a Christian songwriter, he's a husband with seven children. And so that's a testimony to the grace of God. Uh, I've got one verse for you today. It comes out of our chapter, but there's a phrase here that jumped off the page and grabbed my heart. I recognize this is Mother's Day, so I'll do applications for every Christian and also for parents. But right now, let's do what we do every week. Let's remind each other of the gospel by quoting together John 3.16, then join with Christians all over in praying the Lord's Prayer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we welcome you to our service today. We're studying the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 13. Today, I'm going to take just one half of a verse in verse 36, because these words grabbed my heart more than anything in a long time. So I want you to see them today, and then I want to go through, and I will, for those in the sanctuary, I'll be leaving that on the screen because I'll constantly be referring back and, uh, to this particular great passage. In Acts 13, 36, it says, For David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep. David, after serving God's purpose in his own generation, fell asleep. Now, this is Mother's Day. And so I do want to have a word for families, but also there are people who sometimes avoid Mother's Day because they say, if I don't, if I'm not a mother, then this doesn't apply to me. No, I've got general applications for every Christian too from this passage. So let me start with the last two words. David fell asleep. I want to give you the first thought is this. We're all on a deadline to do the purpose of God for our lives. We're all on a deadline to do the purpose of God for our lives. You don't have unlimited time to do what God's put you on this planet to do. We don't stay around forever. I can't be your pastor forever. Uh, there comes a time when you will read the obituary of all of us if the, if the trumpet doesn't sound first. So there's a deadline here. I remember back in 1976, I went to my first Southern Baptist convention. I was 21 years of age. I didn't know anybody there. I sat by myself at everything. So I sat down on Monday night, and I was about to hear two of the greatest Baptist preachers in history, uh, W.A. Criswell followed by R.G. Lee. And I was sitting next to an old retired Oklahoma Baptist pastor. Now, here I am, 21. He's an older man. And, and when he looked at the program, he says, what are we going to do when these men are gone? How will we be able to live as Southern Baptists without W.A. Criswell and R.G. Lee? Well, they're gone. And I teach Baptist history, and I always assign as a biography somebody to have W.A. and R.G. Lee because my students today don't even know their names. We, we have only a certain amount of time. 
I came back here as pastor in 2014. That means this fall I'll have been here eight years. We'll have graduation Sunday at the last Sunday of this month. Do you realize that when I came here in 2014, the children that were in fourth grade then are seniors this year. Going to be, we'll be recognizing them in the service. That's quick, isn't it? You blink your eye and children are gone. We don't have unlimited time. And with that thought in mind, I'm going to read the lengthy words of a song that I think everybody needs to be aware of. It's called Cats in the Cradle. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and there were bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And when he was talking before I knew it, and as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the cat's in the cradle in the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, my son turned 10 just the other day. Said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. And he said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never dimmed. Said, I'm going to be like him, yeah. You know I'm going to be like him. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when, but we'll get together then, son. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, he came home from college just the other day. So much like a man I just had to say. So, I'm, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? Then he shook his head and said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. We're going to have a good time then. Well, I've long since retired and my son's moved away. Called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids got the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me. He'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. We've got a deadline. David served the purpose of God in his generation, but then he fell asleep. You don't have unlimited time. In James 4, it says, you, you got to recognize the uncertainty of life. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then he closes with these words in verse 17. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. This is not talking about the general sin of omission. This is saying if there's something you know you ought to do, if you don't do it now, that is sin. In light of the limited time we have on this planet and the uncertainty of life, we've got to do that. So that's my first truth. Second truth is this. We need to be clear about what the purposes of God are for our lives. It said David served God's purpose. So here's the question. What is God's purpose for our life? I'm going to start with God's purpose for every Christian. Then I'm going to talk about God's purpose for families. What is the purpose of God for every Christian? I believe Mark 1.17 lays it out very clearly when he called his disciples and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Those are the two things. The navigators have taken that simple phrase, follow me and, make, and I will make you fishers of men and come up with this motto. We are here to know him and to make him known. 
Now, you, you start in this Christian life by coming to know him. When you receive a person, you receive Jesus. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So I've got to introduce myself to Jesus when I get saved. But then I, get, I need to get to know him. I need to be following him. And by the way, one of the ways that you follow him, and I'm going to commend all of those that I'm looking at now, you followed him on your way to church. Because he said, you're not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So part of your following him was coming to church today. So I need to be growing in my walk with God. That's part of my purpose that's given to me from God. But I also need to be fishing for men. I need to be inviting people to come to know Jesus. Tom Rainer is the person that Southern Baptists rely on for our study of what's going on in our culture. In January of this year, he gave out an encouraging set of facts there's a lot of people who dropped out of church in the, in the last 20 years or so. So he went and interviewed those who had dropped out of church, and this is what he found. He said that 62% of those who stopped going to church are open to the idea of returning to church. And then he said that 41% of those who were once churched and are not now, 41% said they'd return if somebody just invite them. Isn't that amazing? The power of just inviting someone. Come here, I'll meet you at the Welcome Center. I'll meet you out by the, uh, the, the, the door with the awning. Whatever. You, you just invite them. It, it, 41%. But here's something that's really encouraging. 60% of those 18 to 35 said they would return to church if somebody just invited them. So what is our purpose? I'm here to know him and I'm here to make him known. I'm here to follow him and become a fisher of men. Now, how about what is the purpose of God for parents? And I'll spend more time here because this is Mother's Day. Now, I believe the first purpose that God gives to parents is to protect them. When a babe is helpless, you want to keep them safe. You want to shelter them. And we've got to do that. Physically, we've got to keep them safe. But, folks, the Bible commends innocence. You find children get to be innocent at the early ages. And one of the things that breaks my heart in our culture is our children are losing any sense of innocence. They're exposed to far too much too early. We need to let them. Moses' parents hid him as long as possible. And we need to keep that innocence protecting our children. There's been a lot of controversial about the law in Florida that Disney did not like. And, and yet it's been misrepresented because all the law said was you can't talk about sexuality issues and gender issues until after the third grade. It's simply saying, let them be until after third grade. Now, th then it's open game. But, but it was acted, they act as if this is a horrible law. The, the, you, you, you can't start at five. My granddaughter is in New York City. She went to this year. She's in the four-year. She's five now, but she went to the four-year-old preschool, public school. My daughter went to sign her up, and this was one of the questions. They said, what is her gender? And so they put down that she's a girl. Now, what, what is her gender at birth? And then they said, what is her gender now? She's four years old. And they asked my daughter, what is her gender now? And my daughter replied, she doesn't know what gender is. She's a precious, innocent four-year-old. Protect your children. That, that's, a, that's a parental duty. Second duty that we have as parents, and I'm using a phrase from James Dobson. You need to shape the will without breaking the spirit. That's where discipline comes in. And so the second duty of a parent, when they're young, you protect them. But then very early on, you've got to begin shaping their will. And I've got a couple of verses here from the book of Proverbs. 
Proverbs 22:15. Foolishness is bound to the heart of a youth, but a rod of discipline will separate it from him. Before you turn me into the government. The whole concept of a rod of discipline, it does not necessarily mean it has to be a rod. It means you set boundaries and you enforce them. Do you understand that? Whatever's appropriate in your home, you set boundaries and you enforce them. It said, you've got foolishness in your child, and it's only by setting boundaries and enforcing them that that, that, that foolishness comes out of them. But Proverbs 13, 24 is oftentimes misquoted. We, we say in our culture, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he who spares the rod hates his child. Now, now get this, please. It takes far more love to set boundaries and enforce them than to just ignore things and let the child have have their way. And too many parents are just ignoring things and letting the child have their way. One of the most important things you do if you love your child is set boundaries. Back in the 80s when we were in a church, we had some parents, a teenager that came to us and said, he's out of control. Will you have him spend the night at your house and fix him? That's such a blessing, you know, when you're a pastor and so my wife and I invited this teenager to come we fed him supper and we were trying to talk to him afterwards and and this is what the parents had told me before we invited him over because he was getting in trouble with the law he was into drugs all these kind of things and they said we love him so much we love him so much we've never spanked him we love him so much we've never told him no when he was 16 we gave him the keys to a brand new car we just love this boy so we sat down after supper and I said you know how much your parents love you, don't you? My parents don't love me. They don't care where I am at night. They don't care what, who I'm with. They don't care what I do. And, and what he had done, what they interpreted as love, he'd interpreted it as lack of love. Because children need to have those boundaries. And here's why it's so important early on that you win this battle, that you shape the will without breaking the spirit. Because if you do not teach your children to obey their parents, They won't obey God in the future. And let me give you one more thought. If you don't teach your children to obey their parents, they won't get a job in the future because they're going to have to obey a boss. So this is an important thing that we do. Number third purpose for parents is teaching our children. The Shema, the great verse of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, goes on and says, These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. So, so they're, they're, it, it, the order is important. Put it in your heart, then give it to your children. Your children need to see you model what you want to teach them. Uh, you, you've got to have it in your heart first, but then you teach them. Uh, teaching means plan times. When, it says when you lie down. You, you teach them. I mean, I think a, a time teaching your children as you put them to bed is so important, especially early on. Uh, have those planned times. But it says when you walk along the way, there are so many times which we ought to take advantage of the teachable moments that just pop up in life. If you've just watched something on TV and you said, wait a minute, we need to talk about what we just saw. Or you hear something in the news, we need to talk about what we just heard. And so you have those times. So one of the tasks of a parent is parents are called to teach their children. Can I give you one thought? I know a lot of fathers who spent more time time teaching their children to swing a bat than they have how to follow God. We are given that command that we have got to teach our children. And then fourthly, the fourth purpose of God for parents is this. We're to prepare them for life. Proverbs 22.6 in the New King James says this. 
Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, you've got to get that wording right. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's not train up a child in the way you want them to go. It's that you get to know your children. You learn their personalities. And you help them discern the will of God. And you prepare them for launching out in life so they will be able to do the purpose of God that's for their life. You see, So preparation. And, and can I share with you, because this is one of the things, if I were to point my finger on something where we're having more of a danger in Christian homes and failing in, in this area, this is it. Because here's what happens. Now, please listen, every parent. We definitely have to protect our children when they're young. You want to keep them from danger. You want to keep them from making stupid mistakes. But once they enter their teenage years, your job is moving from protection to preparation. That means that you've got to be giving and trusting them with some decisions. And even when they make some decisions you wouldn't make, You've got to let them do that because your job then is to get them ready for life. And I think what we've got with this whole concept of helicopter parenting, we have parents who so hover over their children all the way until the day they finally leave that these kids are totally unprepared for the choices they will have to make in life. So you've got to be easing your restrictions and giving more freedom and giving more responsibilities because you change from primarily protecting to preparation. Can I just give this principle? If you're treating your kids at 16 with the same restrictions that you had on them at 10, then when they are 26, they'll either no longer be a part of your life or living in your basement. So we've got to change from protection to preparation. Now, last thing I want to bring out about here, the third truth from this passage. David, after serving God's purpose, we've talked about his purpose, in his own generation... Now, here's one of the challenges, folks. I've, not got, I've got to do more than just know the Word of God. I've got to know how can I take the Word of God and live it out and speak it out to this generation. We're called to impact 2022. I started preaching in 1970 when I was 15. I was ordained in 1975. I did well in the 70s. Can I just make this announcement? If the 70s ever come back, I am ready for them. I know how you do church in the 1970s. But this is 2022. And we've got to know our times. So let me talk about something, some things that are going to be different. When it comes to how to witness, I believe, folks, if you can just listen to me here, I believe that an effective witness in this day and time will involve more conversation, more conversation and less confrontation we better listen more because for one thing we're dealing with people who are far more secular who may not even understand what we're trying to communicate to them I've got to listen I've got to earn the right to be heard by listening to what they have to say we've got to recognize that we're dealing with people around us who are two three four generations completely secular they don't know bible terms they've not been in church and so I've got to be willing to do more explaining. I try, even in my sermons, not to use deep theological words because I want to make sure if somebody were to walk in off the street, they'd understand the concepts from God's Word that I'm trying to get across to them. But we're going to also have to do things like explaining on our moral issues that we cherish from the Bible. A week from Wednesday, Justin and I are going to do a podcast on the issue of abortion. And so rather than just saying abortion is wrong, abortion is wrong, I think what we've got to do is we've got to sit down and say, can we explain to you why we believe that 
the baby inside a mother's womb needs to be protected and give them some facts. For one, for one thing, I think a lot of people are changing their minds because of sonograms. Back in the 70s when Roe vs. Wade happened, we, the women were told, come into Planned Parenthood, they'll take a mass of cells off of your uterine wall. But then the sonogram came. And there's a heartbeat at six weeks. And a baby, according to every scientific study, can at least feel pain by week 20. And so what you do in abortion would be horror to that baby in the womb. So we've got to sit here and say, we respect life. We want to protect the innocent. And nobody's more helpless than a baby. We're a society that should be protecting the helpless. We've got to learn how to communicate what we believe to a culture that's not been taught any of this. But what we do, folks, is we've got to do it in love. Ephesians 4 says, speak the truth in love. And we've got far too much anger in our culture. What's happening outside the Supreme Court with the venom that's being said, the shouting and all that. That's so much a part of our culture. And we Christians better not get caught up in that. Uh, it, it says, that James 1, 19, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. We're not to out yell people. We're to lovingly, softly share God's truth, listen to what they've got to say, but, but that's 2022, friends. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to serve the purpose of God in this generation. Now, parents, God bless you. How do you parent in this generation? Well, I want to say this. My heart goes out to y'all. Y'all are facing headwinds that other generations, including my generation, did not face. Your children have been taught in every single way to condone things that we consider to be contrary to the Bible. So how do you get, when you're speaking, especially as your children get to be adult children and they hold to things that you don't hold to, how in the world do we speak the truth in love? Well, let, let me explain something. I don't know how this works out in every relationship. But somehow we've got to be careful not to condone what God doesn't condone. But we've also got to be sure to let them know, I love you no matter what. That's called speaking the truth in love. Now, my heart goes out to you. I mean, there's a host of other things I thought about putting in here. I thought about how do you, 2022 is raising kids after the pandemic. We're seeing so many cases of children who have anxiety, separation anxiety now because for a year and a half, they had to be right next to mama. And, and, and so now it's hard. We can't hardly get them to go into a Sunday school room. Because, so we're dealing with things we haven't dealt with before. We've got parents that are afraid to entrust their kids to anybody. Please put your kids in Sunday school. <laughs> now let us help you teach them. Back up what you're doing in, class, in your own home. But let us, give us that privilege. They'll cry one week and it'll be over. Just, just, just give us that chance. So there's so many ways in which we're trying to be a church in this day and time. And it's different. Now, let me give grace in the conclusion. I need to give you some hope. I made a commitment a long time ago to be transparent in my preaching, to share with you not only the good things that have happened in our lives and our families, but also the hard things that have happened. And you've heard me stand here. You've seen me weep in this pulpit. I don't stand here as the perfect Christian or father. But I want to tell you something, friends. I believe that grace is sufficient. We woke up this morning, there was grace that's greater than sin. 
I believe that God's promises are true. He says, if any lacks wisdom, he'd give it to us. I believe those promises are true and we can stand on them. And most of all, I believe that God's word still makes sense and is the best way to live. And with those truths in mind, I'm walking back out into 2022. I'm not going to be one of those saying, woe is me, what happened? No, this is our calling. We're called to serve the purpose of God in this generation. Let's do it, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd give us encouragement from your truth. Let these things that you put on my heart meet eager hearts as I've preached them from your word. Oh, bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.